1: Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE.
0: Hello and welcome to The Great Indoors.
1: The podcast which tells you all you need to know about interiors and how to really make that knowledge work for you in your own home.
0: And happy 50th birthday to DFS, our sponsors. This year DFS celebrates five decades as the experts in comfort and we're thrilled they have sponsored the second series of this podcast. And thanks also to you listeners for sticking with us right to the end
1: of this series. This is the last of series two, but the good news is we're going to move seamlessly into series three. And even better news is that we are going to be adding interviews to the mix.
0: (laughs) Oh, that's your postman. There goes the (laughs) (laughs) letterbox.
1: And we have lined up some properly inspiring guests who will let you in on the design
0: secret ingredients which have created their very favourite rooms. I know we're even going to get to have a snoop around their houses too, aren't we? I'm so which excited. I can't wait. So make sure you are subscribed wherever you get your podcasts and you won't miss a thing. And of course, if you do fancy rating and reviewing the show while you're there, please do. It does help other people find us. And it also makes us feel rather good about ourselves, because we do read each and every one you know. (laughs) Now, Kate, what's coming up?
1: Right. First topic. I think you'll find this one interesting. I want to know, is Instagram just the 21st century version of Keeping Up With The Joneses? Then we're going to talk about some budget home updates, which is always good, whatever time of year. In our How to Plan a Room series, we're going to look at kids' rooms. And
0: of course, there'll be a few design crimes. So first up then, this Instagram, keeping up with the Joneses, malarkey. What's that all about? Well, it struck me the other day
1: that, you know, we, we all know that expression, keeping up with the Joneses. and Oh, do you know what?
0: Actually, we don't. I Googled it and it's a British phrase. And there is a TV sitcom called Keeping Up... No, there's a film in America called Keeping Up the Joneses, which has nothing to do with how nice your house looks for neighbours. Right, so actually-
1: well, I googled it as well. Oh, yeah. And actually, it came from a comic strip of the same name, created in 1913 in New York. And it ran until Ooh. 1940 in a newspaper called The New York World and in other newspapers as well. And it was all about the social climbing McGuinness family who struggled to keep up with their neighbours, the Joneses. But there are lots of different versions of where the expression came from.
0: But essentially, keeping up with the Joneses is when you're conscious of what your neighbours think and you design your home to impress other people and what's happened with Instagram which is a fairly new platform that everybody's jumping on is you're now your windows onto the world are like huge and loads of people can see what your living room looks like and actually it's it's almost created a bit of competitive home styling. I well think. And I, I think it's the
1: 21st century version is that you're keeping up with your virtual neighbours so yeah. you do see oh somebody's done that oh I think I want to do that so it's a great force for good in that it's constant inspiration. And I think that's fantastic. And I think it makes design more democratic because everybody can have a look at what's going on. But I do think there is a bit of a competitive edge that's gone on or, you know, Are you decorating for the gram
0: yeah, um, yeah, yeah, is a bit
1: of a phrase that's come up. So I thought that was quite interesting. But there's been some research into it, which DFS sent over to me, which said that in a survey they did, which was only last October, actually, that 12% of people said the way they've decorated or styled their home has been inspired by other people's homes on social media and now 12% isn't a huge number but they only asked though
0: isn't it well
1: and they only asked 1500 people so actually that is you know that seems like quite a lot of people but
0: I think we've all done it haven't we yeah I mean I'm I'm really interested in the whole topic surrounding who are you designing your home for are you designing it for yourself and your family or are you Doing it to impress people, and interestingly, on the colour workshops that I run, I you know quite frequently get people who are gripped in fear of what other people will think and how they'll be judged if they get it wrong or if they do something that somebody else won't like, or someone will come around and think. Ooh, it made a big design crime but there or whatever.
1: It's interesting because it's not just comments on Instagram where people might criticise. I mean, you do hear stories of people's neighbours coming round and saying, "Oh, why have you done that? And being quite bold in their comments. Look, we all think it,
0: don't we? You yes. know, It's we like... Just- You know, we're all doing it. We're all judging each other's homes all the time. But I think one of the things that this podcast is bringing out and the fact that you and I, who've both been in the industry for a long time, have differing opinions. Yeah. You know, so I think, you know, at the end of the day, it is subjective and... It seems to me slightly ridiculous to be designing your home for anything other than yourself, be that your neighbours or your Instagram audience. Well,
1: that was the thing I noticed. I remember reading an article in one of the Sunday papers a couple of months ago, and someone said that she'd moved into a house and she was redecorating it, and she wanted to create an Instagram-friendly home. And I thought that was... I mean, I still think it's such a terrible thing to say. I felt there was something really wrong with that. I think there's nothing wrong... Well, and with, in that there's
0: something very shallow about that.
1: Well, and also, it just it seems wrong on so many levels because it's probably not the home that's right for her. You know, it's right for Instagram or it'll play well. So there is that about you should decorate for your own home. But I also think, and we're all guilty of this... We shouldn't care what other people think because if we've decorated it for ourselves, it should be the right home for us and it doesn't matter. But I do think we are much more aware of what other people might think. And we're putting ourselves out there, aren't they? I mean, particularly you and I are with our houses, but, you know, everybody's putting their homes on Instagram and inviting comment and that may not
0: always be favourable. I think you've got to ask yourself why you're putting yourself out there and obviously you and I both put pictures of our homes on there. For me, because I'm someone who's really strong on colour and pattern, I'm hoping that it might encourage some people to have something other than beige or grey. I know you've got very (laughs) altruistic reasons. I just want people to like my house and my gold ceiling. But you know, at the same time, I think it's also worth flagging up the fact that we're both very lucky that we've got to a point in our lives where we've Got our homes, we can invest in decorating them and making them look nice. And I'm just aware that there's a lot of people who aren't at that stage, who are still struggling with either the fact that they're renting or they're renovating, or you know they're having to make big compromises. They they can't do this big da show off their house, and it can make people feel really inadequate. And I mm. think that's a real shame. And interestingly, recently I've been playing around with the hashtag Instasham, yeah. which is where you give people an insight into what it really. actually looks like now I'm sitting here in your home today and yes there's a bit of paperwork and some mugs splashed around because we're here working but actually your home is beautifully presented it does every time I come around I know you tidy up for me but generally no I don't but my husband
1: does no I I am married to someone who's very tidy some of that has rubbed off on me I've become you become well trained I've become well trained I'm tidier now than I would naturally be if I lived on my own I think it might be a pit (laughs) a beautifully decorated pit but there would be piles of stuff everywhere
0: yeah so my house is still not completed so there's still loads of dust and tools and stuff like that as we're finishing off. I've also got an eight-year-old son who regularly has, you know, my house is a real pile round ours type of place. And I'm quite happy for the kids to trash it. I think Mm. that's part of childhood. So my house looks like an absolute bombs hit it 75% of the time. And when I want to show something on Instagram, everything gets (laughs) pushed behind the camera phone so I can take a shot and then it all falls back into place. And I've just shared a couple of examples of what my house really looks like. And there were quite a few people on the comments going oh god what a relief. <laughs> no really. Your house is normal too. Yeah,
1: you see mine I think mine is normal for me now but also my boys are teenagers so they're not in the rest of the house so
0: much so it does yeah you don't share your teenagers bedrooms do you on well the no and I never have <laughs> and, and that's anyway.
1: up to they wouldn't want me to and that's fine you know that's their privacy and that's their choice so I tend to show only the rooms that I go in or that the mad husband has gone in first and
0: tidied them up because you know he's good like that <laughs> everyone needs a mad husband yeah. that's definitely what I need by the sounds of things um, yeah that's the whole dichotomy of Instagram isn't it on one hand and we're saying it's brilliant, like you said, it's very democratic. It's sort of broken down the hierarchy of who says what's in and what's tasteful in our homes and has let the people decide, if you yeah. like. Certain successful Instagrammers have become successful, not because some big design guru said, yes, you've got a very stylish house, because people have generally really, really liked it. Yeah.
1: And I think, you know, even back to the original comic strip of Keeping Up With The Joneses, there are some people who worry about what the neighbours think and what the neighbours have got. And some people who don't. And there will be people on Instagram who, you know, care about the reaction to their pictures or who want to have, they see something that someone's done and they want to do it as well. So, I mean, it's all down to our personality. But as it's a concept, still, I thought it seemed similar.
0: It's a massively down to that. I mean, you know, I'm doing it at my house and I'm really house proud, not only because I love design, but it is what I do. So there's that comes yeah, with pressure. That's when you call yourself an interior designer, my gosh, you better have a nice house. So I feel that pressure from a professional point of view. And I think back in the day, I wouldn't have had to have shown everybody my home, but it's now necessary as part of what I do. I have to share pictures of my home on Instagram. But interestingly, I'm also aware that nine times out of ten the people who come on my house it won't be their taste my house is very colour saturated it's quite full on and I know that isn't going to be for a lot of people but I really don't care because it's really right for me and I know that I've done incredibly well um, <laughs> but funnily enough I was chatting to someone the other day who was talking about um, sort of copycat interiors and people copying certain people's looks say for example I think Abigail Hearn, who is a very well known and established interior designer and brand who I would say is the person who very much instigated this very dark, dark. gloomy kind yeah. of interior look of the of the dark grey. i'm not on sure she'd walls. call it gloomy but let's <laughs> sorry sorry yeah yeah inky inky, inky you know inky, and painting inky. ceilings dark and the whole thing and i think that's you know i wouldn't say being ripped off i'd say she's just inspired yes. loads of people to have a similar interior what makes me smile is i'm not having that same effect <laughs> no i'm <laughs> So I think if you don't want to get ripped off by lots or influence lots of other people's tastes, just do really bright, bold, bonkers colours and lots of pattern mashing and you'll be surprised not many people (laughs) want to copy you.
1: There's also the other thing I think people really like on Instagram is the before and afters. You know, people want to see what you started with and where you took it. I never do before pictures, mostly because I never remember. Um, and also, I'm much less interested in the before. I mean, unless you've done something architectural by moving walls or adding windows, I think it's still the same room, just a different colour. But people like to see, don't they? I suppose oh, that's I more I of the inspiration. There after. you go. I love before yeah. and after.
0: I'm one of the absolute best before and afters that I've seen on Instagram has to be, is it come into the woods or down to the woods? Come down to the woods. Right. Katie. Pa- Katie. Oh, come- the peach the palace. peach palace. And she regularly posts pictures of her very 1980s peachy palace yeah. um, house. And now it's just completely rocking and cool and awesome. You know, if you've got a good before, yeah. then it is a complete delight.
1: Well, I should have done one, shouldn't I, with the gold study? Because when my son was in there, it had a lime green wall, a black oh. carpet, wow. uh, three white walls, and then sort of various bits of you know teenage stuff. I mean, Detritus. I think he was ten. Detritus, Detritus. He was ten when we moved in, and now obviously it's got a gold ceiling and pink walls. It's like a and phoenix I, that's
0: risen from the flames. I'll have to see
1: if I can find a before picture. Yeah, I'm not sure if I've got one, but there might be one in the depths. I, want, of I would my love phone. to see a
0: lime green wall. Inside the madhouse, I think that would just be. (laughs) No one went in there except him. So if you want to go and have a good snoop around mine and Kate's house you can find Kate at mad about the house on Instagram and I'm Sophie Robinson interiors okay very soon we'll be turning our attention to how to design kids rooms but first through popular demand because we really do listen to what you want to know in this podcast it's budget home updates Kate your area of speciality I believe <laughs> <laughs> Uh right. Are you going to get a bit quiet on me during this? Time? I'm just peddling, peddling, <laughs> peddling furiously.
1: Um no, I'm 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 not bad on the budget things. I'm not good at DIY. So there's oh, okay. a difference. So obviously, the most budget thing you can do is do it yourself. yourself. Yeah. Um yeah. and I'm not very good at that. I can paint walls, but I'm not very good at drilling holes in walls or that sort of thing. That aside, of course, there are things you can do. Chief of which I just mentioned, the cheapest transformation is always a tin of paint.
0: Yeah, it is. well, you mm. just get such a big transformation for a relatively a small investment, money. don't yeah. you?
1: Yeah, because you can buy a tin of paint for 20, 30 And quid it client. is
0: kind of something that, you know, you don't have to be overly qualified to do. So I think, you know, step away from the electrics, the plumbing, the plastering. Yeah. For a lot of us, you've got to step away from the joinery and carpentry <laughs> too. But, you know, a bit of a roller and a paintbrush in hand you're good to go. Yeah, and
1: and you can do that, you know, as often as you can afford the money for the few tins of paint. So um, I think that would be easily the most budget and most transformative thing you can do. The other thing I think you know, rugs are very expensive. A good rug is very expensive. But what you can do, and what I have done, in fact, you're sitting on it now, is buy a piece of carpet... And have it whipped round the edges. And have it hemmed round the edges in either a contrast or a matching colour. And you can pick up a carpet remnant. Or I think standard carpet is four metres wide, so you know you only need a couple of lengths of that, and you yeah, can cover it's a, good a idea. whole room. And actually, what
0: you've done here is you've painted your floorboard. So that's sometimes a good idea if you've got floorboards that aren't smart enough to have exposed. You can get floor paint, paint them, and then use rugs as your flooring. Although you will still have to probably sand your floor a
1: bit to take the paint. Um, yeah. I
0: have done that in my all DIY the staples days, and yeah. the nails, and it's very yeah. labour-intensive. I've done the same. I mean, it's a big weekend project.
1: It is, it is, but it can be a budget version, as you say. So that's the walls and the floors so covered. You painted the
0: walls. You painted the floors. I suppose the next thing, while we're on the topic of paint, is furniture, which you can paint, and it's something we've touched on a few times. But there's uh, this brilliant product which I've used because it's so super easy: chalk paint. Because it literally goes on everything, and what's great about chalk paint is there's a product that can go straight onto lots of different surfaces, including fabric. I've even known Yes: people I've paint seen people I've seen people with on it. Instagram painting chairs, yes. actually. Yes, yes. So uh, chalk paint is a natural base, usually a natural base product. You slap it on, and then the genius thing is is you wax it, which is why it doesn't chip or peel off afterwards. So you're not having to go through that sanding, priming, undercoating, bore. Of prep. And
1: also, I've always been quite anti the painted furniture, um, as I think I may have mentioned in previous <laughs> episodes, but I've had a bit of a look into this because I was talking to Annie Sloan, who makes that chalk paint. Oh, yeah, the of chalk paint. Doyenne of chalk doyenne paint. Of chalk paint yeah. And she had a very good rule of thumb, actually, which was, you know, don't paint the antiques, which my mother has painted all her antiques grey. Moving on. um, She said, you know, you can pick up furniture from Freecycle or Gumtree, or you can buy a cheap table from Ikea and then paint it. Charity shops, auctions. Exactly. You're creating something bespoke, and individual. You're saving it from landfill. And also, you know, it's quite cheap because that's, you know, a much cheaper way of buying a piece of furniture and just painting it to transform it.
0: And while we're on the subject of um, painting furniture, there are people, again, you know, we're talking about Instagram a lot already this episode, but it's just such a great resource for inspiration, isn't there? But there's great people like Muck and Brass, for example, who are not only painting, but wallpapering pieces of furniture to turn them into something new and exciting. Well, and you could, I'm sure she doesn't because it's her profession,
1: but you could, you know, wallpaper, with leftover bits of wallpaper yeah. you know on top of a chest of drawers or something like that so that's a really good idea but another way actually is what's called shop your home and that isn't actually spending any money at all i mean i've just done this through decorating the the office obviously it was supposed to be the spare room then i decided to make it my office and i did buy actually a desk on ebay but then I was sort of plundering the rest of the house and I was walking around going, well, I'll have that vase and that plant and those pictures um, and taking things from other rooms in the house to make that room feel new. And then you have to put something in place of the thing you've taken. So you can freshen up the look of a room just by moving, Yeah, I mean, you could switch around. Switch things around. Obviously not big things like sofas and beds, but maybe side tables or armchairs you can move to different rooms.
0: Yeah, I mean, on the subject of big ticket items so things like dining tables you know you've touched on rugs already sofas so I've got really good bargains from those auction sites also by looking for quite known brands like heels or conran you know using those designer names to try and pick up something that's actually good quality yeah but you're getting it for a fraction of what it would have cost you if you bought it new. I bought lots of secondhand sofas in my time, I have to say.
1: And we've done the sort of budget kitchen update. We've done a couple of times where, you know, you might not like the look of your kitchen, but you can have, you might need a carpenter to hang the doors, but a slab of MDF is 20 quid or something. So you can make all new kitchen doors for almost the price of the labour.
0: Yeah, um, so we did that in our kitchen. We bought... um our kitchen carcasses from Howdens, who are you know very affordable kitchen mm. brand, but the kitchen fronts designs are really limited. So we did what you're saying, bought the MDF and in raw material, it wasn't very costly, and had the carpenter cut it and router a design in it and then I bought the handles and then I bought the paint and I have to say by the time you add it all up it's not as cheap as you would think no but it's cheaper than a whole new kitchen ages to prep MDF because you've got to sand and fill all those edges so just to warn yes you might save some money but you are putting a lot of hours but I've seen
1: a lot of people again on Instagram doing that themselves and I've been full of admiration for watching them do it and they've all sort of got about halfway through and go oh god there's (laughs) so much left but it looks amazing at the end and you know if you've got the time or can make the time and don't have the budget then you can again it's back to the transformative powers of paint isn't it but you can do a lot to change your kitchen and bathrooms can be quite tricky
0: bathrooms I think are really tricky to be budget, um in only because you've got lots of fixtures and fittings yeah. you can't just go and have a little restyle and a reshuffle we did want
1: stick cork tiles all over the floor and up the side of a fixed bath and you can get really fun shower curtains now so you can make cosmetic changes like that
0: yeah or you know you can get all these different products to clean all the black bits of the grout out yeah. and give your grout a refresh because that's often what really lets a bathroom yeah. down isn't it it's when all the silicon is all discolored and the grout's all gone a bit
1: And the other thing is that, you know, there's a real move away, rightly, I think, from having everything too matching at the moment, too matchy-matchy. So you could create you know, a splashback in a bathroom with just a few tiles, perhaps, you know, left over from another job or something like that. So you can use bits of design or you don't have to paint a whole wall, you can paint half a wall or there are ways around it now without having to have everything done the same, where you can use up sort of leftover bits or repurpose them.
0: I think what's interesting for me about designing on a tight budget is it, Pushes you to be creative. Absolutely. And some of the most exciting interior designs I've seen have been by people on a budget, and some of the most boring, anodyne yawn-worthy interiors i've seen have been done that's by so, top interior designers but for but that's really rich so people. interesting
1: isn't it you look at those very you see them advertised in the property pages of the weekend papers for these you know incredible one crown place i think i'm making that up I hope <laughs> I um, you know it's only eight million pounds and it's all really boring and bland you know, maybe it's beautifully
0: made or handcrafted and I don't understand. You've got to look very hard to no, see I the wow. I think sometimes having too much money, though I might sound yeah. mad saying this, but can be a bit of a curse because yeah. if you can just have anything... And then sometimes responsibility of how much everything costs can really clip your wings. Whereas people on a tight budget, but with oodles of creativity, and they're not afraid to like switch over and they've painted the sideboard once, then they're just going to go and paint it again next year a different colour. And it makes people sort of free people up. I mean, I saw it a lot on the Great Interior Design Challenge, the TV show that I did for BBC Two, which little plug here is now all series are on Amazon. You, know, you can go and watch the whole four series again, Kate. Again? Nelson. And series two and three are on Netflix because I know lots of people are, even new people to the show are tuning in all the time. Um, but what was really lovely about that programme is one of the challenges, well, the challenge for the amateur designers was to do up a room for a £1,000, which... I grant you, it's quite a lot of money. But when you've got to undo the entire room in 48 hours, that yeah. isn't that much money because you've got to make things happen really, really quickly. Well, and they had to do lots of furniture as well, didn't they? Have to they to do so everything. Yeah. Yeah. But it really, what was so great for it as a competition was you could really see the wheat from the chaff, yeah. the people who could be really resourceful, really clever, had some really savvy ideas to make a big impact. So and the
1: other thing, to come back to Muck and Brass, Zoe Pocock, she gets, I think... Old shop mannequins and turns them into lights, which is a really clever idea. And she's got a whole load which are like legs, and she's put just her That's plants in the what bottom. What the madhouse
0: is missing? There You, you go. know, you said
1: you need something. I've had something, long conversations with Zoe about with those lights. Rock and roll. You need yeah. a naked mannequin. Yeah, no, we we've, we've had cake. that conversation <laughs> because she has a brilliant one, which is the back end of a cow. Uh, which you sort of fix into the you wall. i really 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 into a design crime case. I'm going to pull you back. <laughs> I really want to. But what she has done, which I love, and, and I in used in a shop I fitted out, was she got the hands of old shop mannequins and sprayed them and turned them into hooks. Yes. So you could have handbags hanging on them, which, you know, if you had a dressing room or a space. It uh, is that kind of is, like
0: junk shop, skip, chic, if you like, isn't it? But yeah, I love and it she's probably so chic about it because it's really inventive and resourceful. So she's a good person to go to for ideas. While we're talking about people who inspire us, Grillo Designs on Instagram. She is a brilliant, an IKEA hack, which is another great yep, budget she idea. she does so lots of you, DIY. You know, the problem with IKEA, so IKEA's brilliant. I absolutely love IKEA, great design, affordable price fabulous if you've got a Volvo estate fill it up <laughs> off you go but the problem is is you can spot a piece of ikea furniture at you know a hundred paces yeah. it's very generic so uh, what grillo designs is she does just lots of ikea hacks and upcycles and just sort of makes it look more or different or more authentic than it really is very and clever. also
1: patty robbins she put some cushions up the other day which i think she'd made from ikea rugs and they were really cool because they've got fringes on them. So there's, you know, if you're able to do DIY, you can do a
0: lot on a budget. And, and the thing with Patrick's well, I think she rents as well her house. Yeah, and so she's limited you would in the changes. Never believe no. it. Her house is absolutely filled to the brim with awesome, brilliant, edgy, cool stuff. She's a massive design inspiration of mine.
1: Yeah, she's very clever, and and she does a lot of it herself. But I think even if you don't feel that you're very handy yourself. You know, if you can have the idea and find someone to carry it out for you, there's nothing yes. wrong with that either. No. That would
0: be my <laughs> way. <laughs> In defence of myself, who's not very handy. I can have the ideas, I just need somebody to do them for me.
1: Yes. Well, I've always said that. I've always been honest about on that on the blog. I'm absolutely not DIY i'm whatever um make someone else do it so if you're not if you're
0: not diy savvy either i mean we are so lucky with what's on the high street i mean you know just some of our supermarket chains here in the uk like asda sainsbury's yeah fantastic range of homewares they have an in-house design team i think there's 25 people in their in-house interior design team designing furniture designing prints pulling in graduates, absolute, minor creativity, and then producing great homewares. I mean, cushions for under a tenner. But actually, all over the high street now, all the fashion brands have moved into
1: homewares, and it's really affordable. So Zara, H&M, Debenhams have a lot of homewares. They have for a long time. So actually, that's a really good place to start. And be like me,
0: don't buy anything unless it's in the sale. There you go. (laughs)
1: So we're going to carry on our planning a room series and this time
0: it's children's bedrooms. Sophie, kick us off. What's I, your top word of advice? I love designing kids' rooms and I think my kind of like rally cry is get your kids involved if they're of an age to, in the design of their rooms. Because for me, I remember it as clear as day, I was seven years old and my parents invited me to decorate my bedroom. And I went down to the local decorating store with my mum and I was flipping through the wallpaper books and that was it. That was when the decision was made that I wanted to be an interior designer. And I had this, um, it was the 1980s, so I had this kind of graph paper wallpaper Oh, that's very Picture cool. The scene. I had Laura Ashley, obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and then there was obviously like a rainbow border and matching rainbow bed linen and curtains and all the rest of it. But, you know, the whole experience was so empowering, so exciting. I really owned that bedroom. It was really mm. mine and it gave me a real sense of my own creativity and confidence. So that's kind of what I want to start off with, kids' rooms. I mean, Arthur designed my son, Arthur, is now eight. He got an opportunity to design his bedroom when he was five because we moved house and he was fully involved in it. It's bright red, isn't it, his bedroom? atomic red, yeah, which he chose. And I was a bit like, you know, everything I know about colour psychology is like red is a terrible colour for a children's bedroom. But I thought that it was more important not to try and like talk to him about about the subtleties of colour psychology (laughs) and just let him do, you know, completely what I said I would and let him have complete control. And he had very, very different ideas. One word of advice, I didn't give him the, like, Dulux fan deck with all 3,000 colours Too in it. much choice. Too much yeah. choice. I gave him, it was actually the little green paint chart because I knew that I could live with those colours. Yeah. If you're more of a fire and ball type of person, give your seven-year-old the fire and ball. <laughs> but, um... So he got an edit of colours. No surprise he was drawn to all the bright
1: ones. That—that's We did that. So Isaac, who is now 18, that's how we ended up with the lime green wall and a black carpet, though, to ah, be fair. Yes. Because he was allowed to choose and he absolutely wanted a black carpet, promised to keep it clean. I mean, and actually, to be fair to him, he was pretty good. And how old was Um, he at this? Well, he would have been about 11, Right, okay. And he then wanted a lime green wall, and I was really panicking because I just thought it's not a colour I can, I won't even be able to come in and say goodnight to you, darling, if it's too green. So I did exactly the same thing and I think it was a zophony. it was a very muted lime green. A lot of people probably wouldn't even call it lime green. I'm sorry,
0: how middle class are you sounding now that your 11-year-old boy had
1: zophony. I know, but it's because (laughs) I... I was oh, looking so at the other lime can Tell lime your mum's an interior designer when you give your son the Zoffany paint. Chart. I was trying to find a green <laughs> that he would accept as lime, and I could yeah, live with. Yeah, you could with. live with. And yeah. some of the Dulux ones—they're beautiful lime greens as colours, but I—I I knew I couldn't live with it. Yeah. So I did. You know, you—you you went very little sneaky. green. Well, you, so did, you did exactly you did you the, did the, did same the same. I was going to say,
0: I'm really ribbing you, but actually, Zoffany paint is just the same price as yeah. any other designer and brand. We also only did one wall, feature wall,
1: feature wall. It's much cheaper. Um, But then my younger son wanted his room. So I'm just trying to think he would have been about eight or nine and he was very determined it was a very small room that he wanted it blue so I said because it's small and it's got a sloping ceiling we'll do all the walls and the ceiling in the same color and he was really up for that and he said it would be like sky and then he wanted a yellow carpet oh because no I then love that. That's it would so be like awesome. the beach yes of course the yellow carpet and, and, and I did do you think it's a brilliant that? couldn't find a yellow carpet anywhere uh, at the time Pebble orange we got an orange one and it was too bright for me and also quite highly flammable I think that carpet um so he had that for a long time and then he absolutely trashed it with pen and ink and paper and everything else
0: I mean it's interesting but the fitted carpet thing you know on one level it's really practical because a lot of kids are playing on the floor and it's just comfortable but actually you've got to be prepared for the fact it gets trashed so you know, go down to carpet, we right, We bought the cheapest get, one yeah, we could get. Exactly. Yeah, exactly. Go for a cheap carpet or go for a hard floor or I've got seagrass in Arthur's room and then a really big rug from Ikea because yeah. actually Ikea do really cheap rugs. And they're also made of polypropylene, which is like, basically plastic. Yeah. Which essentially means they don't stay absolutely everything rubs off a polypropylene yeah, rug. Good. It's brilliant. I think a lot of people think that the when they design their kids' room it's gotta last for years. So they'll go for a pale grey carpet or they'll wanna go neutral on the walls. I mean I have had some people message me saying I'm designing my eight-year-old girl's bedroom. What scheme can I do will last her till university? I actually had oh, that as nothing. a message, and okay. I was thinking, how is that ever going to work? Because what an eight-year-old girl wants from yeah. her bedroom scheme is going to really change. Not yeah, just yeah, I once, think you've got to be times.
1: prepared. And in fact, with both our boys, they both had them sort of redone, slightly refreshed when they were teenagers, um, just on the sort of thirteenth, fourteenth birthday because they needed a proper desk because they had homework. It's not just the aesthetics is it? Yeah and it needs to be a practical desk. Yeah and you need shelves for books that have got to come into their room and that sort of thing so the
0: needs do change. Yeah so for example for Arthur who's eight his room's really changed already so let's should we just talk about nurseries because I think that's where a lot of people start with the nursery and one word of advice I've got with the nursery is That phase goes over in a heartbeat. It's actually really fast. But I think with the excitement, especially of a first child, lots of people really want to invest in a nursery because it's a whole celebration of having a baby. And so it should be too. But my advice is save your pennies because in three years' time, two years' time even, you're going to want to completely change it. So... Don't spend loads of money on cots and furniture and nappy changing tables and all of those kinds of things because they just won't be they won't around up. And then long. there is a big change from what
1: the bedroom they have at four when they first go to school and then when they get to sort of the second half of primary school when they're 10 and they think they're really grown up. Mm. Um, and then again, the teenage, so arguably the teenage one lasts longer because you know they might be in it until they leave home, or they've they've sort of know their taste a bit more. But there's a lot of change in those first few. Yeah, years. Yeah, those first
0: few years. So, ex- for example, I think even though there's lots of beautiful, beautiful nursery wallpapers around, if you're budget minded, I probably avoid that yeah. because you've got to buy the wallpaper, you've got to go to the trouble of hanging it, or having someone hang it, and then all those little ballerinas or yeah. dinosaurs aren't really going to be a thing yeah, for much will longer. Very so better off. Get that sort of pattern in the blinds, the curtains, the bed linen things, so you can switch around yeah. quite quickly. I mean, interestingly, Arthur's nursery, I actually painted it black. Did you? I did. I had a pot of railings by Fran Ball left over from a job, which is a very inky, bluey black. Sometimes it's blue, sometimes it's very yeah. dark grey. It's a beautiful colour. And I just kind of fancied it because I was pregnant at the time and I imagined having this child and him needing to sleep quite a lot in the day at very (laughs) unusual times. You were hoping. I was hoping. Blackout blinds, essential in a nursery for that reason too. So blackout blinds, black walls, just to create something that felt nice, dark and cosy for daytime naps. But also I know that really bright colours look absolutely rocking against a dark colour. Yeah. So So all those very primary colours that you get with kids with toys and artwork, it just is, isn't it? It's just bright. So it it looked quite cool. And then when we moved when he was five, he was like by then he was like I don't want a black bedroom
1: So he reacted quite strongly against that. Well, he just didn't want it anymore, yeah. Yeah.
0: I think when he was born, he didn't really have an opinion. But by the time he was five, he definitely did. I think you can have fun in kids' room with paint, actually.
1: Not so much with wallpaper, as you say, because that might be more of a faff to change it. But we've talked about half-painted walls for various practical reasons of hiding the telly and so on and so forth. But I saw a room where they'd painted, like, a yellow triangle from the top corner coming out in two triangles. So it was like a beam of light. And then put the desk in there, or put a reading chair in there, yeah, or even put the cot um, in there, or something Or the like cot. That. Yeah. But so that idea of actually, you know, paint triangles, paint half walls, and then it sort of zones it. So yeah, well, that's quite fun, and that's great for kids actually as they go through because they might want a bit where they play, but then that might become the desk area. So you can definitely have fun with paint. Yeah, or painting stripes on the ceiling to make yeah. it look like a circus tent. Absolutely. There's lots of creative ideas. Yeah. Out I there. think Erica Davis has done that in her playroom. Actually, she so said Erica someone created. An-
0: she's Erica Davis. She's Erica isn't Davis. She? So she's
1: a, a fashion stylist, fashion stylist, but also brilliant at interiors. And in her playroom, she's just had a mural created. It isn't a mural; that would imply a picture. It's a sort of abstract pattern. So I think the walls are sort of blue as a background, but there are lots of pops of different abstract shapes of colours painted all over the walls, and then she's got a yellow and white stripy ceiling. It's all about the ceiling these days, isn't it? Is it is all about the fifth wall. <laughs> um, but the idea of actually the different shapes she's done, you could do that with leftover tester pots if they were the right colour and paint shapes on yeah, the wall it because it's easy doesn't enough doesn't have to, to be expensive, over. and I
0: think that's the thing with kids' room. Rather than trying to invest a lot of money in creating a look that's going to last them for 10 years... Be more budget savvy, be more yeah. fluid, be willing to update because their needs and their tastes will change. So for example, with Arthur up until about now, he's now eight, I needed loads of storage for toys. Well, the toys were really big train until train they're about eight. And there yeah. were marble runs and there was building blocks and there was the farmyard animal set. And my Gosh, small people have a lot of stuff. Yeah. And then suddenly it and shrinks it starts- to the size of one screen. <laughs> yeah. 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 Well, it does. Gets really gets much smaller. It gets much smaller. And then they want a homework desk instead. Yeah. And those sort of things start getting introduced. Or their wardrobes need to be bigger. For example, Arthur at the moment doesn't have a wardrobe because I don't have anything for him to hang. But going forward, there may be school shirts and blazers and...
1: Well, what I did... Or girls um, definitely
0: need a wardrobe going older when they don't when they're little. What I did, which I think
1: can work actually across all ages, is, and it depends on the style of your house, but to line the room with those wooden shaker pegs. Oh, So they were designed originally for hanging furniture on, I think. You hang chairs on them to keep them out of the way. But if you do the whole room in shaker pegs, which I've done part of Noah's room in that... And the idea was originally that he would hang five school shirts in a blazer, so that when he was very little, he might know when the end of the week was coming because he'd his, run out of his shirts. Fancy
0: dress spaceman outfit and things like that. Uh, all of that. <laughs>
1: um, but also, you can hang pictures on them. You could. If you had football boots with laces, you can hang those on the pegs. Yeah, book bags, And bags. then when they're older, if they ha- start to wear shirts that need to go on a hanger, then you can actually, you know, obviously put hangers on those pegs yeah. as well. They're so practical and you can go all the way around the room. And that goes up with the age because they can just hang different things on them. You know, the towel from the bathroom, dressing gowns, anything you like.
0: Yeah, no, that is a brilliant idea because quite often the children's rooms in our homes tend to be the smaller rooms, and like I said, when they're small, gosh, they come with a lot of stuff. So if you can get anything off the floor and on the walls, the that's other a good idea. key thing
1: about those shaker beds, and I've noticed this because uh, my younger son has not inherited his father's. <laughs> gene <laughs> um, and he very much lives in a floor drobe and likes to keep everything on the floor where he can see it he will not put things away i mean he just it's it's like he just can't he can't see why you would but with shaker pegs doesn't always work but because he can so just pick up one thing and put use, it on a peg
0: yes he can do that so because uh, i think it's really important to instilling children that they need to tidy up and in order to help them tidy up they need to have a, a suitable to system make it easy. Yeah. to put stuff away so for example uh, when he was smaller and he had lots of the small building blocks and picnic tea sets and stuff like that it was all about baskets and we could just yeah. pile it on in the basket and put it on a shelf oh and the best tip with that if you've got lego children is mine
1: were never allowed to tip the lego out of the box unless it was tipped onto a towel so you could then oh, pick up clever. all four corners of the towel and pour it back that's into the big box great it came from. That was a hard tip. and fast rule. That I think you can tip. buy fancy things now with four no, strings, but we just used a towel.
0: So, have we got time for a quick design crime, Sophie? Well, while we're talking about kids' bedrooms, okay, this is number one design crime for children's bedrooms, the colour yellow. If you paint your child's bedroom, nursery especially, yellow, they will never sleep. It's the most invigorating, uplifting and stimulating colour. So yellow is a bad choice for kids' so well, it's just the colour psychology. The clever psychologists have come up with that.
1: Well, I think that's the first time I might disagree with them. I mean, it's interesting, there's a lot of yellow because people particularly, when they don't know what they're having, yes. they go for yellow or green as a neutral colour. I was to say, I think red would... I <laughs> think would be on the list of colours not to paint a children's bedroom and black actually so you can have me for my shiny poo gold ceiling but you for your child's bedroom that was black and then red Oh yes. I think you can have
0: that back I will give you that I am full on all over the design crimes and with that it wraps up series, series two <laughs>
1: so the key points from today's episode are when it comes to keeping up with the Joneses you must decorate your home for you and not for Instagram <laughs> We then spoke about budget interiors and I think we agreed for once that paint was the most transformative and affordable change you could make to your home. And finally, when it comes to kids' rooms, the top advice is let them have a say in what's going on, even if you do slightly edit the colour palette before you present it to them, and be prepared to change that room once or twice or three times (laughs) between the ages of birth to them going to university. You won't get the same
0: thing all the way through. And there'll be loads more information, pictures, links and so on over on the blogs. Mine is sophierobinson.co.uk and hers is madaboutthehouse.com. Thank you so much to
1: DFS for sponsoring this series. And thanks also to our producer, Kate Taylor, and to all of you
0: for listening. And we'll be back for series three. So see you in the great indoors. Bye.